Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous in order us in order for us to eat and stay alive, we must great, get grain. Others were saying, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get grain during the famine. Still others were saying, we have had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. Although we are the same flesh and blood and our fellow Jews, and though our children are as good as theirs, Yet, we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. So you see here, sons and daughters, the children being sold into slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. When I heard the outcry of these charges, I was very angry. I pondered them in my mind and then accused the nobles and their officials. I told them, you are charging your own people interest. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them and said, as far as possible, we have bought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. Now you are selling your own people only for them to be sold back to us. They kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. So I continued, what you are doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of God and avoid the reproach of the Gentile enemies? I and my brothers and my men are also lending to the people money and grain. But let us stop charging interest. Give back to them immediately their fields, vineyards, olive groves and homes. And also the interest you are charging them. One percent of the money grain, new wine, and olive oil. We will give it back, they said, and we will not demand anything more uh, from them. We will do as you say. Then I summoned the priests and made the nobles and officials take an oath to do what they had promised. I also shook out uh, the folds of my robe and said, in this way, may God shake out their house and possessions. Uh, anyone who does not keep this promise. So may such a person be shaken out and emptied. At this, the whole assembly said, Amen, and praise the Lord. And the people did as they were promised. Moreover, from the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be the governor in the land of Judah, until the 32nd year, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. But the early governors, those preceding me, placed heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Their assistants also lauded it over the, the people. But out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on the wall. All my men were assembled there for the work. We did not act acquire any land. Furthermore, a hundred and fifty 
Jews and officials ate at my table, as well as those who came from the surrounding nations. Each day, an ox, six choice sheep, and some poultry were prepared for me. And every ten days, an abundant supply of wine, all kinds. In spite of all this, I never demanded the food allotted to the governor because the demands were heavy on the people. Remember me with favor, my God, for all that I have done. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we, we pray that as we look at your word, that your word will come and shape us, change us, and your word will come and break through into situations, Lord God. And we pray that, that as whatever we do, we say we may honor you, we may live like Nehemiah lived, Lord, bringing change into situations, Lord, and doing those things that please you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Yeah, so just going back, the back background. In last, last week we learned that Nehemiah in chapter 4, he was dealing with external conflict. Yeah, People were opposing him. While he was building the wall, people were opposing him. But now in chapter 5, he has to deal with internal conflict. Conflict from his own people. When you have conflict from out, it's easy to deal. You know who's the enemy. Yeah, uh, while I was reading, I was reminded of Abraham. When, when they took Lord, they captured Lord Abraham, the Bible says he took his 300 trained men and went after them. So he took his trained men. But when you have, when you have, you're dealing with the eternal enemy, what do you do? You can't take soldiers and go after them. Yeah. Everyone have conflicts. Everyone. Yeah. You notice. Conflicts, whether in the workplace, family, in the city, you will have conf conflicts. But the question is, where does conflicts come from? Proverbs 28, verse 25, it says, the greedy stir up conflict. The greedy stirs up conflict. And within the context of Nehemiah chapter 5, I think it fits the description. Nehemiah shows us, though, how to resolve conflict. Yep, Nehemiah shows us how we can resolve conflict. Four points I want to share with you. So the first point is, identify areas of conflict. Identify areas of conflict, and that's found from within verse 1 to verses 5. It says, now the men and their wives raised a great outcry uh, against their fellow Jews. The situation was tough at that time. Why? We learned in chapter 1, the, the, the city walls were broken. The people of Judah were in great disgrace. The enemies were ridiculing them. In, uh, later on, Nehemiah sprang. Chapter 2, he sprang. God gives him favor when he comes before the king. And King Artaxerxes says, go back and build. And gives him the resources. Chapter 3, we find they are building the wall. It's hard life for them. Chapter 4, we, have, we find that there's opposition come. Yeah, so things haven't changed. It's difficult for them uh, as well. And here we find there's now conflict. He has to deal with it. He has to deal with conflict. And there's a great outcry. It's similar to the outcry when the people of, of Israel, the Jews, were back in Egypt. And God came to Abraham. When Abraham came to the burning bush, God God came to Abraham and said, the outcry of the people have come up to me. He says, I am concerned about them. 
And he says, therefore, I'm sending you now, Abraham. I'm se- uh, sorry, I'm sending you, Moses. I'm sending you to go and deliver. The same outcry, the same outcry is coming here. So Nehemiah, he asks the people, he gathers the people and asks, what happened? And they start to say one after another. Large families were running out of food. In order to stay alive, they had to get grain. The stakes was high. It seems, as we read the the chapter, that the cash was in short supply. Then, that's not it. They were mortgaging their fields, their vineyards, their homes. Why? In order to get grain. Yeah. They were mortgaging. They just didn't have money. So, for example, what, what is the meaning to mortgage now? So, if you need, you need money, you go to the bank, you need, well, let's say a million, do, million dirhams. You need money, but the bank will ask you, how are you going to repay, the, repay that loan? Do you have collateral? Do you have a house? Do you have land? Do you have vineyard? Do you have property? Because we need that. It, that will prove that you will pay back your loan. Because if you don't, then they will forfeit that. Yeah? You know that. Those who have bought bought a car, you know that. The bank will own the car till you pay back the loan. Yeah, so whenever you take some, so that's exactly what's happening in, in that time. They were mortgaging their land, their home, their fields. The people were powerless because the fields now belongs to the money lenders. They could not pay back the loans. They were charging high interest. That's not it. Borrowing money, they were even borrowing money to pay the king's tax. They could not pay the tax as well. It was a difficult time. And it appears that there was even famine during, during that time. Sons and daughters were being sold into slavery as well. Why? Because they could not pay uh, payback. In a country close by, I, I was reading an article it actually, in, in Nepal, I was reading, you know, but now it's banned. I think in 2006, they banned slavery, but you could be sold as a slave. In, fa- in fact, generations also are sold into slavery. We, we knew a person who's part of New Frontiers. When he read the, the article that people could be sold into slavery in this country, he read it in the Times magazine. He called somebody in our church back in India, in Calcutta, and he said, I'd like to redeem people because you could redeem, you could buy them back. And he flew all the way to Calcutta. From there, they took a jeep. They went into Nepal. They uh, they'd organized some people who they could buy back and redeem. So on the particular day, the landowners came, the people came, and he paid back the sum and to redeem them. So some were redeemed. Some said, no, we don't want to be redeemed. They said, if we are redeemed, what will you do after that? At least by being in slavery, we have a secure job. Yeah. So they said, no, we don't want to. And this person then... He gave them money to buy land and build a church in this place. Took a plane, flew back all the way to the U.S. He's part of New Frontiers Church as, as, uh, as well. Yeah, we've known him, we've met him. It's amazing. But I believe, uh, when I was reading uh, online, I believe in 2006 or something, that slavery was abolished in this country. It's abolished. So, in th- so nothing has actually changed. You know, what the difficulties that they faced that time, we face similar difficulties now in our time. Job situations, difficulties, economic pressure. The pre- yeah. 
financial pressure, when you want financial pressure, the, the shark loans come after you. Here they, they were coming after these people, taking them their fields, their, their homes, the family pressures, and the list can go on and on. Yeah? There are many ways to deal with conflict. There are many ways. Yeah? Uh, they say one is be aggressive. If you're dealing with conflict, be aggressive. That's why you fight back. That's one way. The other way is, you know, the silent treatment. You know, you're, not, you're, going to win, you're going to lose anyway. You're going to lose the argument. You're going to lose in this conflict. So be silent. That's another way people deal with it. And the third way is just ignore it. If you ignore it, it will go away. Some people think. This thing that will happen. Nehemiah shows us how to deal with conflict in a biblical way. The first step in resolving conflict is listen to all sides. He listened to everyone. When the families came to him, he listened to everyone, uh, what they had to, had to say. Uh, Proverbs 1 verse 5, it says, Let the wise listen and add to their understanding. Let the wise listen and add to their understanding. So Nehemiah listened to every cry that the people brought towards him. The second step in resolving a conflict is, is to, to talk about it. Sometimes we don't talk, you know, when we go through conflict, we don't talk about it. But here, Nehemiah, he spoke about it. He spoke to the people, and later on we'll find that he, he speaks to the nobles and the officials who are oppressing the people. And look, Nehemiah, he looked, here's a key, I believe. Nehemiah looked for... As he listened to all the complaints of the people, whether they were selling their homes, their lands, their vineyards, uh, people being sold into slavery, uh, people being charging high interest, as he looked and he heard all these things, he was looking where have they violated scripture. That's what he was looking for. Okay? Because if people have violated or broken scripture, then he knows how to address the situation. Yeah? So in the book of Exodus, Levit Leviticus, Deuteronomy, God has set out laws. God has set out laws and given the people laws how to behave in business, in the land, in the family. I just want to read uh, a few to you. Leviticus 19, verse 9 to 11 says, Do not reap the very edges of your field. Do not go over your field. Pick up the harvest that has fallen down. Leave it for the poor. Yeah? And you'll remember in Ruth chapter 2, verse 2, uh, Ruth tells Naomi, let me go into the field, pick up the leftover grain where, uh, where anyone whose eyes I might find favor. So in God's economy, God provided for everyone, including the poor. As somebody said, God is the best economist. He is the best economist. Even for the poor, for the widow, for the orphan, God has provided and God had told the people of Israel, he says, when you go to the promised land, I'm giving you a promised land with flowing with milk and honey. That means a pro there was abundant provision. But here in, in Nehemiah, it seemed a far cry from the promises of God. Yeah? I'm giving you a land flowing with milk and honey. There's abundant provision in the land. But here the people are selling now. Their own people. They are selling them into slavery. They are charging high interest. They could not get food, food as, as well. Leviticus 19, 18b, God said, love your neighbor as yourself. Here they are exploiting their neighbor. 
Leviticus 9, verse 33, it's, uh, it says, Do not mistreat a foreigner. If there is a foreigner in your land, they are to be treated as native-born. I just love this scripture. I just love it. It's so precious. Because when you look at countries, and even my own countries, we don't treat foreigners very well. We don't. You know? Like God spoke so clearly then. If a foreigner passes by, a stranger passes by, treat him well. And that's why within the culture, they would always invite somebody to hospitality. They will always invite them home. Uh, and you treat them well. And the Bible says that some people who have invited strangers have entertained angels. You know, that's what the Bible says. So God says, always treat a foreigner well or a stranger well. And each time I, I come to the scripture, I said, God, make countries treat foreigners and strangers well, like native born. Because then God blesses the nation. Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 19 says, here and hears it. Nehemiah knew where they were while it is scripture. Deuteronomy 23 verse 19 says, do not charge your fellow Israelite interest on money or food or anything else. And verse 20 says, you may charge a foreigner interest but not a fellow Israelite. In other words, in business, you can charge other people. It's business, yeah? You need to make a profit. You need to make a profit to survive. Otherwise, you can't survive. Then it becomes charity. But in business, you can. You can treat others. You can charge others in this. But your own people, your own community, you are not allowed to charge interest, whether on money, on food, or anything else. And Nehemiah knew that they had violated the command of God. He had violated the command of God. And that's what he wants to address in my second point. Yeah? He, second point is address areas of con conflict. And that's found from verse 6 to verse 10. So first, you identify the area of the conflict. But now you, you don't keep quiet. You don't become aggressive about it. But you address it in a godly way. The Bible says... Nehemiah says, I pondered them in my heart. I think that's a good principle to follow. Before he could even speak to the nobles, before he could speak to the people oppressing the Jews who were in poverty, he said, I pondered the things in my heart. In other words, I thought what I'm going to say. Because so many times we just fly off the handle, yeah, including me. So when I'm speaking, I'm not speaking as an expert, but the one who's still learning. I'm still learning. So we fly off the handle, hit the ceiling, and we just blow up. Uh, Nehemiah didn't do that. He pondered in his heart. He thought about what he was going to say. Yeah. James verse chapter 1, verse 19 says, Dear brothers and sisters, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So some people say, well, we should not judge others, and I've heard it. I mean, people have told me, we should not judge others. So when we find somebody, you know, violating scripture, doing something that's wrong, people tell us, you should not. And then they can quote Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. They said, the Bible says, do not judge others. But that is taking it, the scripture out of context. Because the same scripture in 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16, it says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Yeah? Hold on to that scripture. That's what it says. 
So when you find people uh, violate the scripture, then you know, you know what to do. Because you're training somebody to walk in righteousness. That's what Nehemiah is going to do now. Uh, so he addresses the conflict in an honest way and in love. That is a key. If you're addressing any city, a conflict, it's always done honestly and in love. So we need to check our own heart first before we could address it. They were selling their own people into slavery and Nehemiah, out of his generosity, he was buying them back. What a man, what a heart for the people. What a heart for God, what a heart for the people. Yeah, that's what it says in Nehemiah chapter 5. He, 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 when he accused them, he says, you are selling the people who to the Gentiles. They were not selling them to their own community. They were selling them to outsiders, to foreigners. They were selling uh, because they could not pay the land. Uh, they could not pay back the loans. So they, they were taking the, the, the children. And so you can work on the fields. Now they were selling them. You could not pay back the loan, sell them to foreigners. And Nehemiah is saying, you are selling them to foreigners. And we, that means Nehemiah and his officials, and he said, we are buying them back. And hear what he says. What you are doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of God and avoid the reproach of the Gentiles? I just love that scripture. I just love it. Shouldn't you do uh, what is right? He says, and walk in the fear of God. So what is the fear of God now? What is? Because unless we know what is the fear of God, then we'll do what is right. Genesis chapter 20, verse, verse 1. Abraham, you remember the story of Abraham when the famine, he left and he went to Egypt. And what did he, what did he do? What did he say to his wife, Sarah? He said, say that you are my sister, he says. Because if you say you're my wife, they will kill me. And they will take you. Uh, what did he think in his mind? He said, these people do not have the fear of God. He said, they don't have the fear of God. They will kill me. They will, you know, they will uh, kill me and take you. They don't have the fear of God. That means they will do anything that they feel is right. They don't fear God. At the same time, in Exodus chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king had told them to do. You see, the fear of God. King said, what did the king say? Kill all the, the baby boys. Certain age, kill them. But they feared God. They know it's, it's wrong to take life. Only God, God is the one, giver of life. Who are we to kill? Who are we to take life? They feared God and they did not obey the king's rule. You saw now, they feared God. So when we fear God, we do what is, what is right. And Nehemiah said, shouldn't you, do, shouldn't you not be doing what is right and fear God? And not only that, he says, and avoid the, the reproach of the Gentiles. Nehemiah and his own men, his own officials, I think the officials that he probably brought back from, from, his, from his country, I think they, they were also lending. The Bible says, Nehemiah told the officials, we are lending money to the people. We are lending money, but we are not charging anyone. We are not charging interest. My, my third point. Solve areas of conflict. 
Okay, see the heart of Nehemiah. Yeah. Conflicts need to be resolved. Why? Because it affects the testimony of a believer. It needs to be resolved. Conflicts need to be resolved because it affects the testimony of the believer. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 13. It's uh, such an important principle over there. Genesis chapter 13. It's the story of Abraham and, and Lot. Genesis chapter 13, reading from verse 5. It says, Now Lot was moving about with Abraham, uh, with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great and they was, were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abraham's herds, herds and Lot's. Okay, and verse, and then it says, the Canaanites, the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abraham said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herds and mine, for we are close relatives. Okay, so the background is, they had plenty of, of, of cattle, the land could not support them, and the quarreling actually happened between the herdsmen of Abraham and the herdsmen of Lot. So it was not between Abraham and Lot. They were not quarreling. There was no conflict between them, but between the herdsmen. And Abraham comes and tells Lot, he says, let's not quarrel. We are, we are family. We are the same community. Let's not quarrel. He said, if you go to the right, uh, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And uh, as we read uh, in, in verse, it, it says there, and uh, verse 7, and quarreling arose between Abraham's herds and Lot's, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at the time. You wonder why did that scripture come in there? There's a quarreling there, there's Abraham, there's Lot, and suddenly why do the, per the Perizzites and the Canaanites come in there? You know, sometimes we can just skip over it. It's, just, it's unrelated. But here's, here's the key. Because when the quarreling is happening, the, the Canaanites and the Perizzites are looking in. So what does it mean? When we, when, when, when we quarrel, when we have conflict, unbelievers are looking and watching to see whether they'll resolve the conflict or they'll keep on fighting, they'll split, and then what's going to happen. So, and that's why Nehemiah, he was so concerned because the testimony of the people were at stake. The testimony. So keep in mind, when, when we quarrel, when we have conflict, and if it's not resolved immediately, then, of course, we give the enemy a foothold, but others are watching, and others come to us. That if they are Christians, if they can't resolve it and can't put things together, who can then? Who can? We need to be different, and we need to live out the truth of the gospel. We need to be different. Nehemiah tells them, give back to them immediately their fields, vineyards, olive groves, the houses, also the interest. And he says, correct the situation immediately. If delayed, the heart can go harder. He says, correct the situation immediately. So the question is, why immediately, why not later? Because when you delay, when you delay, the heart can be, get harder. And as I was reading, and as God showed me, show me something where, you know, in from scripture where 
the person's heart can become harder and harder. And then uh, I turn to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 5. It's talking about Balthasar, the son of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. But in chapter 5 of, of Daniel, Balthasar, he, he's having a big, a great feast. Great feast. Nobles, wise men, everyone's invited to this feast. And as they are celebrating, and the Bible says they are worshipping, he, he says, bring out the articles from the, from the temple with his father, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, took from the temple in Jerusalem. Bring out those articles of silver and gold. And they are celebrating and drinking, and they are praising the gods of gold and silver and wood and whatnot. And while they are celebrating, a hand, a, a human hand comes, and there's a writing on the wall. The Bible says that Balthasar was so afraid that his knees began to shake. Yeah, that's what it says in the Bible. His knees began to shake. And then he called all those wise men that, and uh, you know, the enchanters and everyone and said, interpret that. Nobody could. Nobody could. And then his mother comes and says, let not your heart be troubled. There is a man among the exiles who served your father. He has the spirit of the gods in him. With him is wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And he can interpret dreams. And he will tell you exactly what it means. And so Balthasar calls Daniel and says, Daniel. And then he says, in their time, in culture, you've got to tell the king, live forever. So gives all the greetings, the protocol. And, and uh, Balthasar says, you know, can you interpret this? And, he's, and he says, God will give the interpretation. But he, but he tells King uh, Balthasar something. He says, your father, God had made him great and powerful and, you know, given him dominion of all the kingdoms. It was the greatest empire at that time in the world. The greatest empire, Babylonian empire. God had made him great, but he becomes so proud that God had to humble him. God had to humble him and he had the mind of an animal until he, the Bible says, he acknowledged the, the great God. And he did. Nebuchadnezzar did acknowledge God in the end. But here's the key. Daniel told Balthasar, you knew this, and yet you did not do what is right. You hardened your heart. So you knew all this about your father. You knew the exactly what happened to him, but you did not do what is right. And you hardened your heart. Because when you delay and delay and delay, the heart gets harder. And it becomes more difficult then. And so it's that, and that's why the Bible always says, today, today if you hear his voice, do it. Today. The, the Bible is always today, not tomorrow, because you never know. Tomorrow might never come, as they say. It's always today. The people said, we will do it. Nehemiah convicted them, brought the word of God, showed them where they have gone wrong. They said, we will do it now. Uh, and what else he did? Verse 12 to verse 13 of chapter 5 of Nehemiah, he held the people accountable. He held them accountable before God and before people. You see, he called the priests and he says, there, this is what they said. They will restore money. They will restore the interest. They will restore land, property, everything they will restore. And they will do it immediately. So, so call, call them. You know, again, there's a principle over there. Because when you think, you, you hold people to accountability, one before God, before people as well, so that they know that they got to put things right. And my last point, 
is loving God and loving people. So he resolves the conflict. Yeah, Res restoration being being done, where people's homes are being restored, money is being restored. I I just love the heart of ne of Nehemiah. Things being restored. Children being brought back out of uh, slavery, but then he, then he goes on from from verse 14 up to verse 19. Yeah, because remember Nehemiah first we encountered Nehemiah he was the cupbearer, but now he gets promoted. He's promoted. He is now governor of Judah. He is the governor of Judah. God promotes him, and I do believe even. Uh, you know, while brings what I do believe promotion is coming for people in this church, in City Hill. I do believe. You might think, oh, there's tough times. How is it possible? Well, there were tough times then, and Nehemiah got promoted. And I do believe promotion is coming for people within, in, in City Hill. Nehemiah was promoted to governor of Judah. Bible says he refused to, refu to, uh, to take his privileges, the food allowance, yeah, came as part of tax. He refused the, to put more burdens of the people. Why? Because the people were poor. And this is what he says. He says, 150 Jews and officials ate at my table as well as those from surrounding areas. What generosity. 150 Jews and those from the surrounding areas ate at my table almost every, every day. And then he says, each day, he says, furthermore, yeah, in verse 17. Furthermore, uh, 150 Jews and officials ate at my table, as well as those who came from surrounding nations. Each day, an ox, six choice sheep, the s and some poultry were prepared for me. And every 10 days, an abundant supply of wine of all kinds. In spite of this, I ne never demanded the food allotted to the, uh, to the governor because the demands were heavy on the people. So in, all, in other words, keep in mind what he's saying. He's saying, I provided all this. In other words, he was providing it from his own pocket. He was paying for it. He says, I never demanded the, uh, the food allotted for the governor. Why? Because he says the burden was heavy on the people. He had a concern for God. He had a concern for the people. He blessed the people. He released them from their their bondage, their poverty, and the conflicts that they had. He released them. He restored people back to families. What a heart. First we find he's a cupbearer, but we see the man of God. He's a man of God, man of the word, man of prayer, and he's concerned you know, that the name of God is honored. You see the heart of Nehemiah as we, we go on. What a wonderful man. What a wonderful man. First he's serving the king as a cupbearer, but entrusted he was a trustworthy man. And here, uh, when he comes to uh, Judah, such trustworthy man. Restoring relationships, restoring the city. Not only building walls, but, but building the lives of people. Restoring dignity back into the people. Yeah. God, um, Nehemiah, cared about uh, the poor. He feared God. God blessed Nehemiah with resources. Bible says we are stewards of all that God has given us. He was a good steward. God blessed him. He blessed others with the resources God had given him. Yeah? God blesses us that we might bless others. You see? When you put it in context, why, why does God bless us? He blesses us that we might be a blessing 
to others, whether in City Hill, in the city, in our neighborhood, that we might touch lives. And as we touch lives, others come to know the goodness of God, the kindness of God. Uh, I think Bella said, you know, God showed up, I think when she said, when she brought, brought a prophetic word. See, God will show up. Sometimes people ask questions, where is God? Where is God? You know, God will show up. He might show up. A person might come. A person might come to you and provide the solution. Provide a need. God has, it's like God telling uh, Moses, I've heard their cry. I've heard their cry. I am concerned and I'm sending you. And so when you go through difficulties, when you go through, God's heard, God cares, and he will send somebody. And that's exactly what he did. Yeah, he, he heard the cry of the people. God sent Nehemiah. But now Nehemiah is a representative of, of God. He's bringing the solutions of God. He's bringing, that's the very heart of God, restoration, building people's lives, setting people free. And then finally, in, in verse 19, I just love that verse. Nehemiah says, remember me, Lord. Remember me, Lord, for all that I've done for your people. Yeah, and I, I think we can pray that prayer. You know, as we serve the purposes of God, as we serve in the city, as we serve in the church, as we serve in our neighborhood, and as we're doing the things that are in the heart of God, we can pray, pray that prayer. God, remember me. Because everything that comes, it comes from God. Everything that comes, God gives us. Yeah, the Bible says even God has given us the help, the wisdom to, to earn, earn money, to earn the resources. The job you have, you might think, well, I've got it. It's my skill. God has given it to you. God has given, given it to you. Yeah? But then God, ask God, God, how can I serve your purposes? Yeah? Can we stand? Can I ask the band to come back? You might be going through different situations. You might be going through whether it's, you know, job, a job loss, job threat, could be anything. Could be family, could be children. You're wondering about the future of your children based on the prophetic word that Bella brought. You could be wondering so many things. Listen, let me tell you, God has your children. God's hand is upon your children. Yeah, you don't, don't need to push them. God's hand is upon your children as well. You commit them to God. You pray and God will shape their destiny and their future. God is in absolute control. Yeah? You don't need to worry about the future, the jobs. You don't need to worry. God is in absolute control, even of your job, your company, the future. God is in control. He's in absolute control. Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church.